Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's a big week when RHAP is on the road in Chicago. Check out my live show from Chicago. That's going to be up on Thursday, Wednesday night. Shannon Gus is going to be live with you with Kelly Wentworth after Survivor. And we preview the Dondi finale with Dealer No Deal Island host Joe Manganiello all right here on RHAP. We know reality TV. I'm Sarah Carradine, podcasting from unceded Gadigal land, and this is Inside Job, bonus content for subscribers to the Crime Scene feed. You can subscribe at robhasawebsite.com slash crime feed to get your true crime on Tuesdays, as well as bonus content like this. Inside Job brings you conversations with people who know crime, the law, and justice from the inside. If you have a story to tell, Message us on Twitter at Crime Scene RHAP, that's scene S E E N, or email us at Crime Scene RHAP at gmail.com. This week on Crime Scene, The Private Investigator. Podcaster, cat detective, crime novelist, and former private investigator, Lara Bricker joins us. Lara, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. I'm so excited to be here. I'm sorry you're, uh, I didn't realize you were in Australia. You're up in the middle of the night. You are a real trooper. <laughs> you're drawing uh, back the curtain. <laughs> yes, I am. That's the behind the scenes. So thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's, it's absolutely my pleasure. So uh, we have been trawling. Who can we talk to? Who's got interesting stories? The first person I thought of was Lara's always got stories. Um, <laughs> I've been listening to uh, Crime Writers On since I was trying to figure it out before 2017 anyway, because uh, when Dunn disappeared happened, I recognized, you know, uh, the imitations of you all. And that was 2017. So I've been listening to your voice. Uh, I was Cat of the Week one week, which was rather fun. Um, and And here you are. So your former role was private investigator. Can you tell us what led you to that? Yeah. So I actually started my career as a journalist and I was working, you know, in Southern New Hampshire and covering all sorts of stories. And eventually I really got into crime reporting and police reporting and really loved 
getting sort of the inside track on the criminal justice system. And so what better way to totally get the inside track than go become a defense investigator for the actual attorneys that are representing people that are charged with crimes. And so I uh, transitioned over to the public defender system, which is the legal uh, system here. Um, Different states have different ways that it's set up, but basically people that are charged with a crime and can't afford an attorney are appointed one. And so I worked for the attorney. So I was a licensed private investigator for them, um, going kind of in to speak with people who had been charged and speaking with witnesses. And I had my little badge and it said armed. No. So not super intimidating if I met somebody that actually was dangerous. But, you know, at the same time, it was pretty cool. And did you have to qualify? Was there a course to take? Was it previous experience that that allowed you to do it? Uh, it was my previous experience that initially got me in. I, you know, they were like, you're not afraid to go knock on doors and talk to random people. You will walk into places that other people might not. Um, you're very curious. You have very good research skills, writing skills. And that qualified me to get in. And then I went through a training program uh, with the public defender program. They had a director of investigations and learned uh, the legal side of things, like when you could talk to people and when you couldn't talk to people. And sort of anytime I watch a show in the UK where they're like, you don't have to say anything, but anything you don't say uh, can be used against you. And I'm like, oh, that's different. So things like that, that we we had to say when we went out to interview people. Um, and then I was licensed under their agency license as a private detective. Oh, right. Yes. In the UK, they say it may harm your defense. That's if it. You do not mention something when questioned yes, that you later rely on in court. Yeah. Yes. I only know that from watching, you know, far too much television. I, I watch far too much Vera. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Whereas in uh, in in Denmark, uh, there are the accusers allowed to change their story, lie and do all that. It's fascinating. Yes. Different yes. justice systems. Very interesting. So, I imagine that you're doing lots of legwork then, finding people, knocking on doors. Is it tedious or is it just processy or what's what's the actual day-to-day like uh, as a private investigator? Um, well, it kind of varied. And, and you know, there were times it was it was frustrating because, you know, so say I'd get a new case and the attorney that I was working with, I was assigned usually anywhere from like three to five attorneys that were the specific attorneys that I worked with on their cases. They would send me typically um, kind of a cover sheet of here's an and we'd go have a chat. Here's a new case. This is the crime. This is what the person says happened. And of course, it was always I didn't do it. Um, and then Here's the police reports that we have so far. So I would read all of the police reports and often they were not spell checked or edited. And so the writer in me was always like, ah, uh, wanting to get my little red pen out. But then I would try to go out and find witnesses and working with the population. A lot of these people were like frequent flyers in the criminal justice system. A lot of those people were transient maybe didn't have a permanent address, had substance abuse or mental health issues. And so I was kind of all over the place, uh, knocking on doors in like rooming houses, which are uh, places a lot of times when somebody gets out of prison, they don't necessarily qualify to go move into like an apartment or a house because of their criminal record. So they'll go to like a rooming house, which is kind of a sketchy place. It can be. Um, So they'll have like a common kitchen and a common bathroom and people just rent like rooms. and 
that was where I had probably one of my scariest experiences as a private investigator. Uh, do you want to tell us about it? I, I will. I, uh, mm. Yeah. So I was going into the, and these places. So I want you to like picture like the floors are like rubber sort of so they can like hose them down when there's who knows what happens in some of the places over the weekend. And I, I went in to go find a witness in a case that was like, I think it was like a drug case or something. And it was like, you know, the, the theory of the case was that the police didn't get their search done properly. And so everything should be suppressed because it wasn't carried out. So I, I, I knock, there's this woman in a room and I knock and I go in and, and, you know, she's like ranting and raving about the police and their liars and, you know, and just saying a lot of stuff that doesn't make sense. And then at one point she says, well, you know, I've got my own problems. And I said, oh, well, like what? And she said, well, I'm a paranoid schizophrenic with homicidal tendencies. And I said, oh, and at that point, I was in a locked room with her because she said, they're always listening to you here. You got to lock the door. So I'm in a locked room and I go, oh, well, does, does anything help you with that? And she says, well, I just kind of keep it in check. I said, OK, well, that's good. And I'm like, oh, shit, how am I going to get out of here? Like, <laughs> so I was just like, you've been so helpful. It's been so. And then I'm just like, you know, if I need to talk to you again, you could probably come to my office. It might be more comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> but I always left that thinking, you know, that could have been the day that things didn't go particularly well for me. Yes. Well, as a journalist as well, you must have gone, you know, knocked on doors, got in cars, met in diners, gone down shady alleys. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, oh, yeah. There's some courage there, isn't there? Oh, oh, absolutely. And I think like some of the things in hindsight that I look back that I did, I think, oh, my goodness, was I what was I thinking? Like, I remember one time I met some guy that was like homeless, living in his van in a parking lot. And I just climbed in the van and sat down to interview him. And, and of course he had a criminal record as well. But at the time I was like, ah, whatever, uh, you know, in hindsight, I'm like, ah, maybe probably not the best decision that I made. But at the time I was very competitive and focused on getting all the information for the case. Those, those things don't really enter my thought process. Yeah. So is the, the defense uh, attorney, are they instructing you as to what they'd like you to find out? I mean, is there a story that they're trying to craft for the defense? Well, it depends on the attorney you're working for. And the good ones, I think, know that they can't necessarily change the facts. So they would mm -hmm. say, you know what, this is what the client says. I don't necessarily know if that's true. Go out and find out what's out there. I don't want to be surprised when I get to court. I want to know all the information that could potentially come out in court and then we'll work from there. So, you know, they'll say like, oh, yeah, this is what the client said happened. And a lot of times not totally accurate, but, you know, everybody has their own version. So, you know, I think it's it's sort of you work with what you have and you can't necessarily change the facts. But um, I think it was just I always looked at it like, you know, keeping the system fair and making sure that there was all the information to be found out about a particular case had been brought forward so that, you know, if there was something that was helpful, we knew it. If it was unhelpful, we knew it. And we had really just done a thorough deep dive into the whole situation. Mm, absolutely. Do, is there a case that you still remember? The haunting cases, we love that from the old uh, black and white noir, you know, oh. the, the gumshoe with the one case that haunts them from years before. Not necessarily from my days as an investigator. I mean, I think there were cases that were troubling 
when I saw children in situations that were not great places for kids to be, that was really hard. Um, I was a young mother at the time and um, I was bound by the same rules of confidentiality as attorneys. So short of seeing somebody like murdered on the street, I couldn't report something that I saw um, if I saw something that made me uncomfortable that I felt should be brought out. So that that was hard, I think. And that's why I actually eventually stopped doing that line of work. I just was like, you know, I, I want to help and, I, and I'm in a different situation. I'm in a different position here. Um, but I will say when I was a reporter, there is a case that still haunts me. And it's, uh, it was a case of a woman who was a nurse anesthesiologist, and she very mysteriously was found dead in her kitchen, her groceries on the counter. And the case was interesting because originally, you know, it was an unattended death. They found that she had some sort of anesthesia, uh, like a drug that they would use when they put someone under anesthesia in her system. They found out she had been having an affair with a married doctor. They eventually, you know, questioned him. He had some drugs in his car and he said, oh, well, I was going to be euthanizing a cat. No charges were ever brought. And the case got bumped uh, through different jurisdictions as it was investigated nothing. And her family has created a website. They try to bring, uh, you know, what, what happened to Wendy, her name was Wendy, Wendy Toll, and nobody has ever been charged. And so that, that was disturbing to me because I just felt like that family needed some closure. Do you have an alert for it? Do you follow the case or is there, has it gone cold? It's gone. It's a cold case now. Um, it's a local case. So I definitely just sort of keep my ears open. And um, if there's somebody around that knows about, like, I'll just be like, oh, whatever happened. Like, I always just sort of drop it into conversation. Your, your chatty style just uh, yes. lures them to, to tell you things. To tell me. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I mean, I had the distinct pleasure of reading uh, your first Piper Green 
novel. Oh. Um, and it was absolutely wonderful. And I, I just I loved everything about it. But one thing I really liked, and I was thinking about you, was she uses so so in the in the novel, she's a she's a journalist in a small mm-hmm. town. Uh, she's come back to the small town and there's a murder. And I noticed that she used, she would get a piece of information and would almost immediately tell someone else. And at first I was like, why are you telling these people? Then I realized that as she got each piece of information, she used it as a sort of offering to the next person. Oh, well, this happened. And that she would get something in return. Is that something you did or something you wish you could have done? Oh, gosh, I do that all the time. (laughs) That's that's my calling card, Sarah. That's my calling card. Um, That was something I learned early on when I was a small town reporter was and I had I covered a huge territory. I I worked for like this weekly paper that was out in like what we called the county. And so I had like 10 towns. And what I learned as I would go out there, like and I would drive between the towns is sharing gossip and sharing information would get me more information. And so. That's just uh, something I think that for me has kind of become part of, you know, it's and it still is. But it's it's it's, you know, sometimes people think, oh, I I need to hold this information. I'm like, no, no, you get more information. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. So so when you decided to to stop being a defense investigator, what was Mm -hmm. your next move? Oh, boy. That was when I wrote my true crime book about a murder case that happened in Waltham, Massachusetts. I had wanted to write a true crime book for a number of years. Uh, at the time, I was actually covering a case in New Hampshire that was really interesting. A woman named Sheila Labar, who was a female serial killer. But it turned out that somebody else had already sold the book and his name was Kevin Flynn. Mm-hmm. And Kevin <laughs> Flynn, um, my fellow podcaster and criminal on, beat me to the punch on that. But I was working with an agent and she was like, well, are there any other interesting cases? And I found this case in Massachusetts. I said, this is pretty interesting. And it really hadn't been covered very extensively um, in the media because it happened at the same time as a case, uh, this guy named Neil Entwistle, who was a British man who killed his wife and infant daughter in Massachusetts and then fled back to England. And that was, everybody was covering that. Nobody was covering this other case, James Cowan, who poisoned his wife with antifreeze and Gatorade. And um, he she was a nurse. He was leading a double life. He, he like faked admission to Harvard as a way to like move her away from her family. It was a really, to me, interesting case because I'm, I'm fascinated by people that that lead double lives and how they get away with it. So I wrote that book and that was sort of what brought me to where, where you know me from meeting my crime writers on podcasters. I was on like book tour and Kevin uh, Flynn uh, was like, hey, we should do some events. And I met this uh, Toby Ball had a fictional crime book, his first book out. And he lived a few towns over. Someone had introduced me and we came up with this fictional crime versus true crime storytelling sort of roundtable. And so we went on the, we went on the library circuit. It was very exciting. Mm, I love libraries. <laughs> we My mother li- was a librarian. So I have yeah. a great fondness for libraries. Yes. Yeah. So we had a lot of fun with that and got to know each other. And then a few years later, when Serial came out and uh, Kevin and his now wife, Rebecca, were like, we should do a podcast. They reached out to me and they're like, we could use a fourth person. And I'm like, how about Toby? And and the rest is history. Now we're like the Beatles. Absolutely. Yes. Which is which, do you think? Uh, you know, it's funny. I just said this to Toby the other night. I said, you're like Ringo. And he got very upset and he wanted to be George Harrison. So, 
Yes, maybe, uh, maybe. Was, yeah, so I don't know. I don't know. Does that make you pull the youngest? Probably, yes. Mm-hmm. yes the, youngest, <laughs> the youngest of the Crime Writers On crew. And just before your, your first crime uh, novel came out, you got yourself another qualification. Oh, are you referring to my cat detective school? Yes. <laughs> um, yes. So I am a crazy cat lady. That is pretty well known. I, I actually, it's on my license plate now. It says make way for the crazy cat lady when I drive through town. And is this during like, I think everybody had like that point during, I call it the COVID times, the early COVID times when we hit our rock bottom. And uh, mine was when one of my cats, uh, Felix, he would go out during the day and come in and at night, didn't come in at night. And I searched and searched and searched and he'd always come in and, and I never did find him. And in going through the searching, I started, oh my God, I had like a crime scene wall. Um, basically, I was tracking all the missing cats in like a seven mile radius. And I had this whole theory and I was like on the phone to the fishing game. And through that process, I learned about this woman, uh, Kat Albrecht, who was a retired police canine handler who now applied like the same search and rescue techniques people use for missing humans to missing pets. And so I was like, Hey, what the heck? I have this COVID. I'm not going anywhere. I have time on my yeah. hands. Um, so I went through the eight week training course to learn how to be a cat detective. And have you had successes? I have had successes. Um, I do it as a volunteer. I don't, I, I just don't feel right charging people when their pets are missing. And, you know, the police think it's really funny in my town to give my phone number out when someone comes in to report missing pets. So I keep getting inundated and they're like, hey, we're just sending people, you know, because their their uh, dog catcher position is vacant right now. So they like to just get, you know, send it my way. But yeah, so indoor cats are easier to find than outdoor cats. They're usually hiding very close to home, but they're usually hiding in silence and they will hide for like up to two weeks just in fear. And I had a really interesting one where I found this is the winter time and it was, oh, this little old lady and her brand new kitten had gotten out and she was just devastated. And we, we figured out like we, that there was a RV parked in the driveway next door that was plugged in for the winter, but that there was probably heat inside the RV where the plug was. So I set up, I use game cameras like motion activated to, I know you're like, oh my God. Oh no. It Brilliant. Was, it was so Brilliant. I set up the game camera, which would email or text me. And then we did like a slurry of tuna and we did a trail from the RV to her house and left a basement door open. Cause often like cats will come when it's quiet at night and sneak back in. And so I was waiting. I got the, at like 4am, my phone went ding, ding. And I was like, the cat's moving. And the lady went out and was able to gradually get the cat to come back in because it was it was quite fearful. And then like six months later, on the other side of town, this is talk about small town. Her daughter had a kitten from the same litter who got out and went missing. And I went over and helped them with that cat. And that one was a little trickier because it was hiding under a porch next door. And it was like a flat, very low porch. And we knew it was down there. But that lady had like little kids and stuff. So she wasn't as able when I would be like, the cat's out. She wasn't as, as, as responsive and able to just like run out and get the cat. So that one took about a week. But um, happy endings. on Happy endings. Cases. Happy Ooh, endings. Fantastic. Yeah, I know. And now you have uh, Dead on Deadline, the first Piper Green crime novel out and a new one just about to come out, I believe. Yes. The final curtain. Um, the pre-sale link is going to be going up this week for the October 1st release. So 
That is exciting. Oh, well, congratulations on that. No, I thoroughly enjoyed the the Dead on Deadline, and I'll put that in the show notes if people want to track that oh, down. Um, so what do, you, what do you have going on now, and where can the people find you? Well, you can find if you me. you want on, to be found. If you want to be found. I'm not hard to find. Um, people know where I am. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Laura Bricker. I'm at Laura Bricker Author on Facebook. And I'm pretty active over on Instagram as well under Laura Bricker. So I'm, I'm all over the social uh, channels. And um, if you go on Instagram, you can see a lot of my antics as I'm out and about in my little town of Exeter, New Hampshire, my quaint AF town, where lots of things happen for such Looking a small town. It. Looking for places to stash bodies. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. yes, yes. The the UPS man uh, texted me the other day. He's like, "We have a mystery downtown. Where are you?" <laughs> <laughs> so that that's what happens. And of course, you can be heard every week on Crime Writers On, yes. talking about all manner of true crime properties, including podcasts and uh, documentaries. Crime Scene is a true crime review podcast where we get to the heart of how true crime stories are told. Subscribe to our feed at robhazardwebsite.com slash crime feed. You can follow me on Twitter at Sarah Carradine. Follow Mari at Mari Talks Too Much. That's two, like the number two. And follow Crime Scene at Crime Scene RHAP. Thanks so much to Lara Bricker, to Will from America for the theme music, Tricky Rice for the graphics, and Scott St. Pierre behind the scenes. Until next time. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.